Welcome to episode 222 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. It's a glorious Saturday morning, and I'm very happy to announce that I have accepted a position as CTO of a company called Digidoo. Wow, you came out of the gate on that one, huh? Yeah, finally uh, finally uh, unveiling the secret. The secret, right. Justin's secret. So I guess we should uh, tell the story then, huh? Go on. I think you've been itching to tell this story, so go on. Okay, well, I'll tell it from my perspective, then All you right. can fill it out on the sure. uh, the inside details. So, I'm trying to think, how long ago was this? It must have been a year ago. This, no, it was in the summer, because I, was, I remember I was at one of Colby's uh, baseball games, his summer baseball games, and I got a call from my buddy, Phil Amon, who, uh, he said that a friend of his had a startup, um, an educational startup, and that they had hired... A, uh, a really young, inexperienced guy to, to, to build the site. And they had, I guess they had made some promises or commitments to some school or schools. Right. That they were they, going to roll out to the school, right. And they had like a month or six weeks <laughs> till the deadline. Yeah. And I mean, so they brought this young, this young guy on and he wasn't even like a, a trained developer or CS, uh, someone with a CS degree. I mean, he was an electrical engineer. Right. And was 22 or 23 or whatever. Yeah, just just had no, I mean, basically, in terms of hands-on web development experience, had, had not, no. didn't have any. No, no. Right. He did He did have like a year of C programming, but I don't think he was like hardcore focused. It was like a, you know, yeah. like a site. He knew what a loop and a conditional yeah. and a function yeah. was, but he didn't know about database schemas yeah. and, you know, just a million other things that are right. relevant. So, Phil goes, so, you know, this, this friend of his, Matt, had asked Phil what he thought of if it would be possible. He's like, do, do you, you know, he said, Phil, do you think that we can get this thing done? You know, with this young guy in, in the six next months. Four, yeah. four, to four, six weeks. four to six weeks. Yeah. Whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. It was a really yeah. short period of time. Yeah. And I said, well, what are you building? And he sort of described it. And I was like, there's no chance that that's going to happen. And he's like, really? Like a low chance? No, there is no chance in hell that that is going to happen. There's no way. Because it was basically a tab, a, uh, a tablet app, uh, and then a, a website, like a whole back end website as well. Right. Yeah, basically. there's just zero chance. Yeah, and I was like, well, the your only shot is if you bring in somebody um, who's an ex- very experienced sort of full stack developer, or you outsource it to a, a design, you know, consulting firm. Yeah. Right. And uh, I was like, but that's it. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, well, what do you, what do you, what do you suggest? And I said, well. Uh, I don't have time to do it. <laughs> I got too much other stuff on my plate. I said, but uh, I said, you know, it turns out that uh, Justin had just mentioned to me that he was looking for some consulting work, right? Because I think Company Fifty Two was struggling, and uh, you weren't you weren't having as much you weren't getting as much income from there from yeah. them, and so you you had just called me like two days ago, and you're like, I need something like now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I said. I said, your only shot is Justin. I said, Justin could do it. I said, if, if, if you bring Justin in and he works, you know, the 10-hour day thing, he, he could crank this out in a month or six weeks, I'm sure. But 
you know, that's it. That's your only shot. Mm-hmm. And so I called you up. I remember sitting at the, outside the baseball field watching the game and I called you up and I sort of pitched you on it and you were a little confused at first. So they're like, what, what, six weeks or, you know, what's going on? And, uh, so then, um, yeah, so I, I basically, you know, I guess I kind of set up the deal and, and Phil, I guess, I don't, did you, did Phil call you? Did you talk to Phil specifically or did you go direct to Matt? Uh, yeah, no, I, I went direct to Matt. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was it. So I just kind of set it up on both ends. I basically explained that I thought it would be a good deal for you. Mm-hmm. They could make some decent money. Um, in the short term, because you said you need to make money now, so they need a lot of work done quickly. So I figured you'd make some good money, and you could get you could you would be able to deliver for them. I mean, otherwise the thing was going to be a big face plant. And uh, so then you came on, and I'll hand the story over to you in just a minute. Sure, this is where you can. So then you came on, and the way it worked out is you sort of served as a mentor and a teacher to Corbin. So Corbin. Would the idea being that Corbin would do a lot of the development, but then he would work with you on the phone a couple hours a day and you would say, okay, here's how we need to structure this. These are the pieces we built. This is how you build this piece. Here's some guidelines on how to build it. Why don't you go build this piece? Come back to me tomorrow and we'll work on it together and go over it. And then from as far as I knew, you guys did that for, I don't know how long, uh, six weeks or something. And you were talking, so why don't you take it over from there? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Corbin's a very clever guy, but, um, you know, it doesn't matter how clever you are. If you don't have any experience in something, you don't have any experience. And there's a lag time and, you know, a learning time to to learn something. So that was it. So, yeah, so I came in as, as the mentor um, and that, that worked pretty well. But um, the major pieces of functionality that ended up being built were when we were screen sharing. And I guess... I was kind of driving most of the time during right. those screen sharing sessions. You were driving and so you were building and explaining, building and explaining, and it was that was quite difficult for me because it's difficult to be building stuff and also explaining why you're doing stuff at the same well, time. It's, ex- it's exasperating because if you have somebody who's trying to learn and aggressive about learning it, they're going to be stopping you after every couple sentences and be why? Well, why are you doing this or why are you doing that? And you're con- so you instead of you just making progress, like we got like a month or six weeks to get this thing done, you have to go off into a 20 or 30 minute explanation about what rest is or right. what uh, you know what a column type is in a database scheme or what is a has many relationship or what is Ajax or what is a form posting. Ga- I mean, you know, you just go over and over and and it's just from I remember having a conversation with you. It's like it was just exhausting because you're doing two jobs at once. You were teaching, mentoring and trying to build this thing. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, as I said, uh, you know, no, it's no reflection on Corbin. It's just yeah. it's just basically if someone hasn't done something then you do have to explain something. And but being so smart and uh, studious as he was, he really wanted to know what, you know, the reason for everything. So that's great. So um, the long and the short of it is, is uh, we got it built. Well, how uh, long did it take? I, I, I do seem to remember it took about six weeks um, of pretty hardcore focus. We got it built and... Um, it was placed in the classroom and the teachers have been using it ever since. Well, actually, what happened was we first of all built it in, uh, got it built in jQuery Mobile. Mm-hmm. And we had to do, remember I was bitching about all the hacks that I had to do to jQuery Mobile to make it happen. Right. So I got it built in jQuery Mobile and then it was being used by the teachers, mm-hmm. well, one teacher in the school. So then a turn of events happened. Corbin decided he wasn't interested in the company. He just didn't enjoy being part of the company. Yeah. So he resigned. So then... He resigned and that, that kind of left everything on my shoulders from a, from a consultant point of view. So then I continued working with Matt, but I said, look, Matt, do you mind if I just refactor this whole thing into, into Double Dollar? 
or Jefferson, as it's now called. I think I like Double Dollar better, to be honest. <laughs> I think I like Double Dollar better. I think you well. back to Double Dollar. Yeah, Double Dollar, yeah. So, um, okay. So, I reworked that thing into Double Dollar. I mean, and I, I, I refactored the whole thing in two days. Like, that whole month's worth of work, I just refactored in two days, put it into Double Dollar, and then the teacher said to Matt, this is like a different, this is incredible. This is so much better. And I also just did the design so that... Um, the, the jQuery mobile basic skinning is all very skeuomorphic, kind of curvy like that. Yeah. But the Android uh, tablet that we're using it on is very, very black. So I just use a very black design and, and the whole app feels totally integrated into the tablet. Right. And I showed you that yeah. version and you were like, you were like, is this you? Did you do this or is this Android? And I was like, no, no, right. that's me. <laughs> yeah. And I was really, really good. I, I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so, so then it just kind of evolved. The relationship evolved between myself and Digidoo because uh, I guess Corbin wasn't there. And so then they, you know, Matt started to ask me, are you, you know, would you be interested in being CTO? And well, I mean, well, well okay. Okay. You're jumping ahead. Okay. Go on. There's a few miracle functions in All right, there, go or at least some, uh, some story points that need to be brought up, um, or hit upon. So during this time though, you were working four hours a day at idea lab. Yeah, with Uber Media, mm-hmm. um, and so that was the and the work with Digidoo was just part time thing. You would spend a few hours a day or yeah. whatever it was, yeah. and there was no. It wasn't like immediately launched into like, oh, we want you to be full time, or you were hardcore negotiating. It was just this kind of nebulous relationship where you're consulting. They're they're obviously dependent on you. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You're having fun. It's it's cool, but you're just but you were really focused on Idea Lab because of the from my perspective, it seemed like we were focused on the opportunities at Idea Lab because of Bill Gross, because of what Idea Lab represents, the opportunities there, the possible opportunities with Plugio, right? Right. Well, yeah. So I had been trying to uh, get some get Bill Gross or one of the other people in Idea Lab to look at Plugio because to me it seemed like uh, and seems like a very natural fit for those guys mm-hmm. uh, because obviously it's a it's a Twitter uh, social media management tool and they have a lot of Twitter apps and they have many millions of Twitter users. But um, I'd never quite managed to get into conversation or discussion with Bill Gross and create any kind of connection. Um, but he did send around an email. Uh, when was this? Maybe like a month and a half ago. Yeah. And basically, he just finished off the email by saying, and if any of you have any ideas for generating extra revenue, please let me know. So I wrote an email back to him and said, well, you know, I have this app called Plugio and I still haven't really spoken to him face to face have this app called Plugio, and I think that it could do really well. And here's my idea for how you could kind of integrate it with, with what Uber Media is doing and how it could make some good cash for you. So that went into his inbox and just kind of sat there, and he never really replied. This may have been even two months ago. But then one day he was walking around the floor. He came out, and his Android phone just wasn't working. And he said, does anyone know Android? Does anyone know Android? And ironically, because of the work I've been doing with Digidoo, mm-hmm. I'd been developing this mobile app for Android. I did know Android. So he was like, look around and no one else knew. So I said, oh, okay, I know. I'll help you. So he's like, oh, well, look, this this app is stuck. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, you go into settings, you go into apps, you turn it off and restart. And so that made him kind of notice me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so then he went back to his office and like half an hour later, he he, he basically uh, called me in uh, and himself and uh, Gladys, the the, the, general, the general manager at Uber Media. And so I thought, oh, I'm going into... To, to help out with the Android phone again. But actually, I walked into the office and Plugio was on the screen. So now they uh-huh. want to talk about Plugio. So obviously, 
because I was helpful regarding the um, the Android app, he noticed me and then he reread my email. Well, that's that's <laughs> sort of a, a basic principle on the web, which is, you know, in terms of like marketing or whatever, it's like you you generally make yourself helpful to the rest of the world. Right. Right. Whether you write blog posts or articles or tutorials or courses. I mean, you, if you do it in a sort of a cynical way that I'm doing something really with this set goal of getting people to come on a website, it usually doesn't work so well because it becomes too transparent. But if you're just like, I'm just going to just help people because I like helping people, it comes, it, it, it puts you in front of mind for them. Right. Right. You just become front of mind for a lot of people. Yeah. That's a net effect. And you don't even have to really work to try it. It's just that's what happens. And that was a perfect example. You became front of mind for him. He's like, who is this Justin guy? I've been seeing him sit over the couple months. And he probably did a reason. He probably did email search. Right. Vince, Justin Vincent. And then he read that email you wrote. And he's like, huh. And he probably brought it up. And he's like, Gladys, come here. What is this? And who is this guy? <laughs> you know, that's probably had happened or something close to yeah. it, I would guess. Well, let me ask you one question before you go on. Glad you said she's a general manager over media, but isn't she like a CTO? Of, she's a CTO of uh, media, yeah. I thought she was some kind of, of she had a position with Idealab generally. No, she she did have a she used to work for Idealab, but now she has a position at Uber Media. She's CTO of Uber Media. Okay, and let me do one other sidebar here on uh, Uber Media and Idealab. So for people who don't know, Idealab is a incubator, startup incubator in Pasadena, in old Pasadena, and. They incubated all kinds of things. They incubated GoTo, which became Overture, which ultimately was sold to Google, which became their paid search. $1.6 billion it was sold for. Yeah. City Search and uh, I, remember, I don't know which one it was. It was eToys. I mean, there's a million, like all these big... Picasso. Picasso. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Like, mm-hmm. we'd have to go down a list. A lot of companies people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, their track record of companies that have been big time successful are probably comparable to... Maybe not quite at Y Combinator's level, but it's pretty close. Yeah, and a lot of it just comes straight out of Bill Gross's head. It's not just—it's not an accelerator that you have a bunch of—you um, have some moneyed interests, or they're, they're VCs or, or whatever, who or individuals who put money into a bunch of young startups, take a small stake, and then have like uh, you know mentors available to talk, right? Which well, is what you see at like it. Dream Adventures and uh, what's the tech stars in Y Combinator? Yeah, because I, I think that, I mean, even people haven't thought about that yet. Bill Gross was doing that since 98, Yeah, I think. You know, so he's like pretty much one of the first incubators. Yeah, and but his but most of the things came out of his head. Not yeah. all of them, but most of the ideas were Bill Gross ideas. Yeah. And he would hire a team. And I remember an article back in the late 90s in Harvard Business Review about how he thought about things and how he, he would still give the majority of the equity to the uh, the people running the company, yeah, he would have a, lot, a substantial stake, but they would provide they would have the offices in Idea Lab. Well, so he because in Idea Lab you have a legal department, you have an HR department, you have a marketing department, and they serve all of the companies. So the companies stay within Idea Lab, and then the the genesis, and then the the I don't know what the next word is where they're just kind of growing the gestation. Let's say mm-hmm. the gestation of the company, which sounds maybe a bit I like that. gross, good. right? No, yeah, good gestation, good. right? And then once the company's ready to launch, it's launched, and then it gets its own legal department, its own loan, its, it's own birthed. HR department. Yeah, once it's birthed, right? Continue with that, right? So then, and then it moves into its own offices, and but the, once it gets big enough, so they can grow quite big. You know, they can grow to like twenty to thirty to forty people inside of media, and then okay, you're too big now, you're out. But they share. At least back in the day when they Sorry, were launching, Idealab, yeah, yeah, and at least in a, at least in late '90s, early 2000s, they would share a lot of resources, like design resources. It wasn't just HR and legal, like the boring infrastructure stuff. It was, 
you know, they would, you know, like design, like we have designers on staff. Right, right. Like you yeah. don't have to go and find exactly, designers. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you really have the people, you probably just have the people writing the code and then the operational people who are building or who are trying to. Basically know, executing the idea. Executing the idea. Anyway, so that's what Idea Lab is. So that was, it's a kind of a famed place. Bill Gross is this, you know, really interesting, important guy. And you're, and so you're, you're really excited about what might come. Well, it was awesome talking there. to, talking to, to Bill uh, about Plugio and, what was great was that they genuinely were interested um, and still are. I'm, you know, negotiations are still ongoing about that. Um, but basically there is interest. So, and also they became aware, you know, that like Bill became aware that I was a contractor and um, Bill and Gladys kind of pushed for me to just come on board full time. Right. So moving on board full time that I needed, I basically needed to talk. I was going to probably go with that right idea. But then, but then, okay, go on, you take over. <laughs> but then, well, you were kind of negotiating with them or you were talking to them and I said, listen, well, here's the thing. I mean, A, you need to be open with Matt about what's going on because you don't want to surprise him with this because they totally depend on you, which it wasn't like you weren't going to do that, I don't think. But I mean, it was just, but I said also, to maximize your opportunity here, you want at least two people sort of vying for you, right? So if it's just... Uber me if, if if Bill Gross is thinking oh it's just us or he's or nothing Justin is going to take the deal we're giving him if that if that deal is short of what you want what you're going to want to do is have some leverage and the best way to do that is to talk is talk to the people who might be interested in hiring you or offering you a deal and I and I, you were not it was funny at the time you were not taking did you do that seriously it was sort of from your perspective again just my uh, my um, interpretation was that it was a consulting gig. It was a small company out of Chicago. You weren't even really clear on where the money was coming from, how much funding was ultimately going to be available. Um, and I was like, you know, <laughs> what I would do is I would talk to Matt, tell him what you're really looking for, just generally. And, and I think you did do that. And then I said, you know, and then the other thing I do is I would pause things, try and put things on pause through the holidays with Bill Gross an idea lab and get your butt up to Chicago and meet Matt personally and meet whoever the f- is funding it and just and have them meet you and really figure out what the, what the story is. Cause I, and I, from my perspective, did you do had a lot of potential? I was always like, when, when you showed me that first time you showed me that the thing you built, I, and, and you explained the market, I was pretty excited. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, <clears throat> you're right about certain things, but, um, just about the same time as this, Matt made a sale, a did you do sale? Right. And that substantial sale. Yeah. I don't want to go into the details of that, but I'm just going to say he made a sale and that kind of made me double take. Oh, maybe this, this is interesting. You know, yeah, but let's say the sale, let's think enterprise software sale. This isn't sale to an individual for 50 right, bucks. Right, like right. this is substantial sale yeah. that makes you go, okay, wow. If, if a school's willing to pay that kind of money for this kind of system, it doesn't take many schools for this thing to be a very legitimate yeah. Company. Not like it's going to happen overnight. I mean, no. it's not, it's, this is like a three year effort kind of thing. Yeah. And we're still, you know, it's still proving ground. But anyway, it just, it gave me an extra bit of spark to really knuckle down and focus in on that company and to look to. Uh, so you said, you said that to me and that sale happened and it just made me focus and think to rethink this. I was just going to go for the Uber media thing. So anyway, so then I went, well, well because I mean, without the sale, I mean, it, you, 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 you really couldn't compare 
did you do to Idea Lab one to one? No, because right? it was, no, because it's it was barely an idea. It, yeah. it was barely an idea. So when something this is the power of making a sale, right? So when something is an idea, it's just an idea. And then you execute it and then some people are trying it. It's still not really anything yet. But if you've actually made a sale, that's that's yeah. valid so, validation. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. So I, I think it was right at that time to 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 be more serious about Idea Lab. I mean, you know, if you yeah. got in with Bill Gross and you guys did some good stuff together, there would be all kind of opportunities could spring from that. So, you know. Okay, so um, I, once again, I don't want to say the names of the ultimate backers of Digidoo, but anyway, I looked into it and saw that it was some ser- serious players. Um, and then you bugged me about going to meet them right <laughs> <laughs> i'll drive you there if i have to get your butt to, to Chicago it's not like now. i didn't have the idea but you you kind of you, like you call yourself uh what do you call yourself an adjuvant like an agitator, agitator. like you, you bug the, the shit out of me to do something right <laughs> make me do it faster than i even want to do it myself anyway so, <laughs> but it's fine it's fine like i mean i had that idea in mind but i just i i was more prompt about it yeah so i went up to see them um as we spoke about in the last few shows when i met that interesting influential person and uh, showed them my resume anyway so everything went well on that trip and um they offered me a deal that i really liked and uh in fact i like that deal can i have that deal (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a really good deal (laughs) so uh you know now yeah. i'm gonna be cto of this company and it's great because we're i'm working with udi on it so that's the first team so udi's a contractor he's a contractor yeah you're bringing udi along mm-hmm. and uh yeah well things that i really like about it i mean i matt came across to me as a very easy person to work with mm-hmm. um not everybody is he seemed kind of hands-off kind of trusting relaxed but also somebody to get stuff done and also pretty bright and so it's a good combination the second thing is, with Digitu, as opposed to working with Idea Lab or Uber Media, you could really create whatever kind of company you want, at least from a technical standpoint. You know, you can hire the people you want, you can work where you want, you can work when you want, you can set up, you can set up the development workflow, the tools, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a big deal. Um, and of course, you get a, you know, I mean, obviously, we don't have to get in numbers here and probably shouldn't, but I mean, you got really good upfront compensation and you got a substantial upside as well you get mm-hmm. both you get both bases checked both boxes checked right or both bases covered so which is important it's important to get good upfront compensation because if this is gonna be a two-year three-year thing and you're not compensated very well and you always have other opportunities dangling in front of you you're you're, you're going to be continually tempted to bail and do something else especially if i have a wife who's who's financially uncomfortable like we're not making enough money and we can't fit for this and you know, I don't know when this thing is going to pay off. Maybe you should do this other thing. No, it, it's a, exactly the right strategy that they've taken. So it makes me excited about focusing on one thing for the next two or three years. Yeah, it's like you're not, you're not going to get rich. You're not going to be fat and happy, you know, especially given the goals you've stated, what, how much money you want to make in the next five years or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's it's enough to be solid and comfortable Georgie would be happy. and But then you got the upside. You got real upside. There's a possibility. Yeah, exactly. If we can execute really well. And um, I mean, but also the other thing is, and this this also had a huge um, impact on my, my decision. And I'm sure that Matt did this on purpose. When I went to Chicago, he took me into the school 
to see the kids using the software. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's just like heart melting, right? You just saw the effect, <laughs> the, the impact. <laughs> well, you, you know, it was, it was working for them. And, um, so just because you know me, I mean, I left school at 16. I like education. I really didn't enjoy it. Right. I really mm -hmm. didn't enjoy school. I didn't feel there was only like one teacher who engaged me. But the way the way that this software is being built and the way that the whole thing's been put together, I could see these kids were engaged. And I was thinking, wow, if I was a kid and this was the kind of lessons I was having, I would I would have actually liked school, but I hated it. So and, you're gone, yeah. And you're thinking all the things you could do to make it way better. Right. Sure. You're right. like, oh, you think this is good, kid? Yeah. Wait till you see what I'm going to have for you in three months. Right. So <laughs> so the idea of edu like it's funny, you've been working on Catalyst. And now I'm working on an educational product as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I, for some reason, education is coming into our sphere and into our life. So what I what I subsequently found out I really love about this startup is the human aspect of it. Like, that's what I really love. So, you know, Plugio and Twitter, it's kind of interesting, but it's not really changing the world in the way that this might do. And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to, but it, it might do. And that's a big hope for me. Well, I as you mentioned, the the funder of Digidoo talked about the things he really cares about and like some invest, the things that he wants to invest in because they're inexhaustible markets and because there's huge need for them and it's education, health, and energy. Because he wants to make a difference, right? Yeah, I'll make a difference in the world. I mean, yeah. he's he's done well financial, obviously to back things. I mean, he's financially yeah. okay, so yeah. he's like he's he's comfortable. So now it's like, okay, now how do I impact, make the world a better place? Right. You know. So you know, the whole thing wraps up to uh, the. As is being spoken at this moment, the legal documents haven't been signed. So this show, on this segment of the show, will only get released once those legal documents are signed. It should be signed Monday. It's Saturday morning. It should be signed Monday. We'll release the show on Tuesday. Right. Hopefully it'll be all Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm really excited for you. I think this was the right decision. I think this is just the right kind of opportunity for you. I think you have the right mix of... Um, of upside and compensation to make you happy. I think you have the right kind of control over the technology. I think it's a really meaningful problem that that uh, is going to make you excited to solve. I think it's a very interesting, deep has a, has a very deep set of interesting ch technical challenges that's going to keep you engaged for a long time. And you can build uh, your own team how you want. I mean, I know you've talked about how you love to manage techies and you love to work with groups of people and collaborate and stuff. And I think if things go well, it could easily be the kind of thing that you can set up an office here in Pasadena and you can hire, uh, you know, a crew of guys or girls or whoever yeah, people who awesome. you really like. Yeah. I mean, I think within a couple of years, you could, uh, you could have the exact environment. You could create the exact world that you want to live in. So that leaves Plugio and Anyfu. So, uh, so <laughs> Let's I have, talk Plugio first. Yeah. So I have a plan for both of those. So I was thinking, right, what do I do with Plugio? Once I really focus full time, because also the luxury of focusing full time on something like I've really been feeling the pressure of doing four hours Uber Media and four hours Did You Do and like a couple of hours Plugio. That has been like you are great at that multitasking, doing all those different projects. For me, it, it just wrecks my head. So I was really glad to, to get into this position now where I'll be focusing on one thing. Yeah. Okay, but with Plugio, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is it's currently bringing in just shy of fifty thousand a year, right? So it's doing pretty good in its own right. Um, I'm either just going to, there's two options. I'm either going to sell it to Uber Media outright. Mm -hmm. And I think that's highly unlikely to happen because they would want, they would want the builder to go in with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think they think it's interesting enough as just a, a revenue play. So although that's one possibility, it's unlikely to happen. 
then the second thing that I'll do is I will just literally, it will just be my hobby. So I'm going to keep on going, keep on tinkering with it, but I'm going to put as minimum possible uh, time as possible into it. Well, you have somebody working on it. Well, I was just about to say. I was okay. just about to say. So what I'm, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try uh, some of Rob Walling's techniques to outsource the support because that takes me about 15 minutes to half an hour a day, the support, right? Yeah, a virtual I, assistant for that. Yeah, if I can find a good VA for that, then that's taken care of. So then the second thing is I'm working with Corey from The Birdie, Corey Mass from The Birdie, you know. Uh, Corey Mass, yeah. Yeah, Corey Mass, remember? Yeah. Well, it was after our our interview with, uh, our show, I don't know if it was, interview, it was a show we had with Rob, and he was talking about, um, you know, giving us an update on Hittail and talking about Drip. And he was telling us about this great uh, young um, developer entrepreneur who had done his own little startup, hadn't, hadn't succeeded with it, as most startups don't, especially most bootstrap startups, but was really bright, had won two of these hackathons that uh, in, up in Fresno where, um, I think it was Fresno where uh, Rob had been a judge. And uh, so Rob ex- extended an offer to him and said, hey, you know, what about working with me? I can't pay you a lot of money, but I can pay enough and you can learn a lot. And part of that in that conversation, one thing observation I made is like, I think that's a generally really good strategy is finding sort of s- people who've struggled with launching their own bootstrap startup. So they've learned a lot already. They've also they're all learned, rounders. They're, yeah, they're, they're full stack entrepreneurs, but they're struggling. And now they're looking for a safe harbor. They, they need a safe, they need a safe harbor in the sense that they need, a, they need a, a, some revenue they can, um, they can count on. And, but they're not necessarily ready to take a full-time job because they still kind of want to do their own thing to some degree. And so that we have that conversation. And then um, that, we made that observation. We talked about that a little bit as being a strategy. And you spoke to Corey then. You had a conversation with him. Yeah, Corey emailed me. Over the Chris over the holidays, I think it was like Christmas Day. Even I talked maybe the day after Christmas or something. And I, he said something along the lines of how I think he just sent an email and said, "Hey guys, I'm looking for some consulting work or something." You know, yeah. already struggling a little bit, um, and he had run through some of the savings and was looking to you know pick up a little work. And uh, so, and I said, well, "Hey, what about?" And I started throwing some ideas about the possibility of of taking the same role that the Rob Walling that Rob Walling's yeah. guy did, and. Uh, with one of the projects that my secret project, you know, and I said, but also I said, you know, maybe with Justin too, I said, I, you know, my thing might be a couple months or a few months before it gets enough traction before I could really feel good about investing that kind of money into it. But I said, you know, maybe talk to Justin too about, uh, about plug you or whatever. And it was right around that time that we had the conversation. I said, you know, you should talk to Corey. Yeah. So um, what I'm going to be working on Corey with is, inbound marketing for Blogio, creating some inbound marketing content, some eBooks, some videos, some courses. And it's good. You know, we're, we're kind of brainstorming the different type of content. And basically the content we're going to create is just stuff to teach you how to use Twitter for business, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been working on it and already he's, bring, you know, he's bringing value. I can see that he's, he's thinking in ways that I wouldn't necessarily have thought. Like, for example, one of the things that I wanted to do was just mention Blogio. And he made the observation that sincere inbound marketing mentions everyone. You just kind of highlight your product. You don't. You don't. Otherwise, it just looks like a sales right. Sales exactly. Center. And it's, it's, and, it's yeah. And it's a good point, you know. And and so I probably would have created all this material that just had mentioned Plugio, and it wouldn't have looked that great. Whereas uh, you know, because of Corey's input and insight, it's going to be just general good training material for anyone. And it's just going to say, look, you know, highlight Plugio rather than totally focus on it. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So I think that's uh, I think that's a good good strategy. And it's also great to speak to someone 
you know, he like he understands like conversions. He understands marketing. He, he's built the birdie because he's built that thing. He understands so many aspects of what you need to understand to do something like this. Rose from a technical and a marketing. Technical, side. marketing, and business. And it's actually a breath of fresh air to work with someone who you're saying something. And before you finish saying it, like he's finishing your sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need to do that. He's like, dude, I've listened to like 200 yeah. of your podcasts. Right. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yes, that was in episode 187. I, yeah, I know. So that that work, that's that's could potentially be pretty good. So, you know, I'm just going to keep Plugio as this little side experiment. And I'm going to try some of these other techniques and just see what happens. Um, but my main focus is going to be on Digidoo. Well, I think it's a really good idea. I'm happy both for you and for Corey. Okay. It's cool that you guys work together. It's cool that Corey was able to get something pretty quickly that he'll find interesting that he can help you, but then he'll also learn stuff by helping you that he might have to funnel back into the birdie. I think it's just a general good uh, strategy. It also keeps things real simple. I mean, you're just paying him, right? You don't have to make things really complicated. And uh, because I think one thing you asked me is like, so how do we work this out? And what do I do? And I'm like, dude, just he's looking for a check, right? He's got the birdie. He just needs to pay the bills. Like he needs to stop the bleeding, you know, and we've all been there. We've all been to situations where we had a couple contracts or, and, and one or two ran out and then we're, and then you're like, I need something just like you were for Digidoo. All right. So let's talk about any now. Okay. You ready to go? Sure. Okay. So I'll, I'll give my take on it. So listeners probably are wondering what the hell happened to any Why have we stopped talking about it and where's it gone? Um, so how, how to, how to say this? Um, want me to do it? You want to do it? Yeah, no, you, you go. Well, no, okay. no, I'll tell you what, why don't you do it? Let me do it because okay. you always talk anyway. Sure. Right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll just give from my perspective and then you give from your perspective. And we've we've actually kind of had this discussion once before, but we cut it out of the show, but I think we're going to leave this one. Well, in. it was too long and rambling right. and we, it was too unclear what our... Uh, what we, we didn't, we didn't know where we were yet. Yeah. Okay. So basically, as you all probably know, Jason is a perfectionist. Yeah. And a control freak. A perfectionist and a control freak. And a general pain and in the ass. as a result... He did not, uh, he was unwilling to let me build the back end, which is fine. That's, that's his prerogative. So what happened was um, there, there ended up being more work on that. So he ended up doing more work. I did a lot of work on the front end and I did the legal stuff. But anyway, it, it, then he also ended up doing the support because he can't stand email sitting in his inbox and not answering them. Whereas I'm more you know relaxed about it. So what happens is Jason ended up doing more grunt work on the back end and more general support. So it ended up being inequitable and not 50-50. So it was more like 30-70 kind of thing. Um, so then Jason kind of made the decision, right, well, I'm just not going to work on this project anymore because it's just not fair right now. And, you know, I agree with him. It, it, it wasn't fair. So he didn't, um, he didn't say anything untoward there. But what I w- the only thing in my defense I would say is he set it up that way <laughs> because of being a control freak and, and being a perfectionist. But that's fine. So anyway, so... Ultimately, what we've decided and the decision. Well, let, let me. Uh, okay, you finish up, then I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So ultimately, what we've decided is, and this isn't to say that Jason is a bad guy or that I'm a bad guy, and we're still very good friends. But ultimately, what we've decided is that I need to balance things up, and the way that I'm going to balance things up is to get the first hundred experts. So I'm going to be responsible for that task. But the thing is, I don't have time to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to outsource that in chunks. So the first chunk I'm outsourcing is the research chunk to actually discover. 100 experts and that's I'm, I'm outsourcing that to a friend in ireland and then once she's got a list of maybe 300 people so we're going to get like three choices in each category then i'm going to find someone else who's going to email them and try and get them on the site and so once again it's going to be an outsourced effort but then 
it's not something that's going to take up too much of my time. And once that's set up and uh, up and running, then Jason will be, okay, now we're 50-50. Now, now, I, now I can get back into it again. <laughs> so that's where we're... Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'll get back to the... Uh, first thing I want to address is the, you know, getting back to even. So once I brought the point, I said, look, this is not remotely fair. And because I was trying to figure out, like, why am I just not interested in doing this right now? Why do I not care? I said, because I felt this very deep, fundamental sense of unfairness. And so every time I'd spent, I'd spend more than an hour or two working on it, I would get kind of disgruntled. Like, this is bullshit. Like, this right. is not cool. Because I'd tell you what I did, and you'd say, hey, thanks a lot. And I'm like, I don't really care about the thanks a lot. That just, like, <laughs> you were trying to be nice, but it was almost like, it, it, it was, almost felt like you're rubbing it in. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, good job, man. Keep it up. Like, no, right. that's not cool. And I, and I, and I just was starting to resent it. And, and so then in order to not resent it and not have negative feelings and not feel disgruntled, I just, I just avoid it. I'm just not gonna. I, I never. It wasn't conscious. I just avoided doing any, doing any, thinking too much. So about the it. project basically stopped, stalled, stalled out, stalled, stalled out. I mean, you know, a few sessions would come through here or there, and I would support those. I would process the payments and fix. You know, I had to fix a couple bugs and you know, chase down, you know, payment issue here and there. But anyway, you know, after we had the initial conversation when we talked about the inequity and what we're, you know, why it had happened and et cetera, et cetera. You know, first we weren't sure what to do. You're like, what, you know, what do we do? And it was like, okay, ultimately it came down to this. It was either A, you kind of find some way to make it even. Like you were either going to have to build a whole bunch of stuff, but then you're like, I don't want to build stuff because it's like your libraries and your code and that's going to suck. And I was like, yeah, that would suck, you know, and, 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 uh, or, I'll just take control of it and do most of it myself. But I said, part of me didn't really want to do that. You know, I didn't necessarily want to. I wasn't, my goal wasn't to take it away from you. Well, well, no, because we both, offer, like we both said, look, it, you know, an, uh, an option for me would be to give it to you and I'll just take some small percentage, like 10% or whatever. And then you just, you run with it. Like I, I then, said that to you. But then I was like, I'll take that deal. I'll take 10% and you run with it for five years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. And then, and then I was like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> so neither of us wanted to take the whole thing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically the well, way. L- yeah. l- let me say, so I, I said, okay, look, I tell you what, the, the one thing that would make it even in my eyes and is to get a hundred experts on the site for a couple reasons. One, because that's what's going to make the site work, not tricking out the back end or making things more automated or better. It's good enough. I mean, yeah, there are things that we need to add to it, but what it really needs is 100 experts because we need to cover those bases. We need to have enough because each expert is a marketing channel in their own right. Then you have enough experts that you can pitch it to bloggers and tech writers and say, hey, here's this new just-in-time consulting things we're talking about. When you have 10 or 12 people on the site, it looks like you just got your buddies to sign up. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not going to be that impressed. And et cetera, et cetera. So I think that is what's – and that will get me excited again. Plus, um, it'll take a, enough work that I won't feel like, oh, wow, I got – you know, Justin kind of got – I got an unfair deal here. I'll be like, okay, that's cool. I don't know how – I mean – we don't have to micromanage hours, but you do a hundred experts. It's all good. Secondly, I mean, or, or I don't know, maybe thirdly at this point, um, that's what we agreed. That was kind of early on what we'd agreed to do because I said, all right, because we were talking about building and I, I was like, I, it was two, two chefs in the kitchen. It wasn't that I wanted to do the whole thing, but it was quickly uh, clear that you have your way of doing things. I have my way of doing things. We have different programming styles. We have different tools we like to use, different frameworks we want to use. And we're both very opinionated, which makes it really annoying to work together. 
I can work with Guyon because Guyon is not nearly as opinionated. He's a little more flexible. You're more like me that you have a definite opinion and you're trying to force your way of doing things. And I didn't want it. I was like, this is exhausting to work together. I worked, we worked together for an hour and a half and I was just exhausted and irritated. And I think you felt the same way. I'm like, this sucks. And I'm like, I could just do this. Why do I have to have this pain? Let me just do it. Why do I have to sit there and debate with you about what I name every function or something, you know? And I think, like I said, I think you felt the same way. So that's, wasn't like I just wanted to do it. I just didn't want to have a fight and I wanted it done a certain way. And so that's where my control freak perfectionist part came out. And so what we agree is like, okay, and you're like, okay, well, what should I focus on if you're just going to do that? And I was like, well, we need 100 experts. We need to get, I, you know, I think just kind of pull a number there. That's what we need to do. And you're like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But, you know, so it was, a, it was two tango, right? It was me being a little bit of a control freak. And it was you avoiding doing something and finding every reason not to do something that you didn't want to do, which is what Georgia always complains about. Right. So it was, it was a net effect of our two personality weaknesses right and neither and neither you or i really we're friends and we don't want to fight so we found ways so this evolved as a result of that we don't want to fight so i'm just going to build this i'm not going to say anything i'm slowly getting more and more disgruntled you're not take you keep finding out ways well i'm not going to do this or i don't know how to find people or i email these guys or maybe we change the strategy and i was just getting more and more irritated and then you just end up not doing it and we come with the no, here's ideas. the thing i mean that, so that it was a net effect of us both but one thing you say that i like I'm happy to do things. I just don't want to do things I don't want to do. That's what I mean. So, right. well, that's what I mean. The yeah. things you want to do, you're like our freight train. Yeah. So basically, right? the, like the scheduler and all the, all the other tech oh, yeah. stuff. You did a great you know, job. Happy. Yeah. So, but well, I just don't particularly. In fact, I just hate the idea of finding those experts. Yeah, as, I, know, as I, know, I know exactly. <laughs> well, it was just the fact, the combination of the things that needed to get done, the combination that we are not complements so much in, in terms of founders. We're much more overlapping. Yeah. And that's why a lot, depending on the kind of tool you're building, I mean, it would be much better if one of us had partnered with somebody else who was just a, a, an outward focus sort of marketing business dev person who could have done all of that stuff with that person just built it. I think that's the big lesson is, is we're, very, we're very overlapping um, as partners. Which I, which there's a two worries that I mentioned when you were first trying to pitch me on us doing it together. I said, one, we're already coupled pretty highly because of the show, being right. friends and doing the show. Like, do we really want to layer on something else? It's kind of like starting a company with your roommate or something. I mean, it just, it just, just sometimes it just becomes too much. Like living with somebody you're doing a startup with is just too much. And the second thing was the fact, like, say, again, like we're overlapping. I, 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 you know, I mean, there's certain products, I think, like if it's a very technical product and there's not a lot of marketing to the company, then maybe it can just be two tech guys doing it. Or maybe something that's not very technical, you can have two business guys doing it. But this was something I felt I think fell in the category of being a perfect fit for a marketing person and a technical person. Right. So anyway, so where we're, where we're at is I'm going to outsource the getting the, the 100 experts. And because I said to Jason, does it matter how I get the 100 experts? And he was like, no. Just, That's just. what I said. I don't care. I don't care. If you, magic, if you wave your magic mom and they appear right now and you did two minutes work, I don't care. It's yeah. all good. I'll, I'll call it even. I don't care if your mom does it. I don't really. I don't care if you get as long as they're 100. I, the only stipulation I put, as long as they're 100 good quality, high quality based on the on the on the on the way I've described them to be high quality, you know, that people have written books and have are consultant type people who have big Twitter blog following, those type of people, really well-known, established experts. And the second thing is don't like auto email hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> saying, you know, or don't do anything that I'm going to be like, what are you, what did you do? <laughs> Not that I thought there was much change you're going to do it, but I was like, just as long as whatever you do is ethical and cool and 
you know, whatever. I'm like, I don't care. Where, wave your magic wand. Outsource it to China. I don't care. <laughs> all right. Build a robot that does it. That's awesome. Whatever. Well, my cat's doing it. Perfect. <laughs> so. Anyway, so that's that's where we're at with uh, that's what I'm going to do with Digidoo. Uh, sorry, uh, Plugio and uh, Anyfoo, and then main focus on Digidoo. So that is going to be my life moving forward. I think it sounds good. Yeah. Are you pretty excited, huh? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, yeah, great. You know who's really excited? Who? Georgie. Oh, <laughs> well, no, the reason why she's excited is because finally we get a health plan. Isn't that funny? Yeah. She doesn't care about the fu- salary, the equity, the opportunity. No, healthcare. That's the only thing she cared about during this entire negotiation process. So I'm like, I, I, I don't want to say specifics, but it's so funny. Like I'm, I'm on the phone to her talking about negotiating equity and she's saying, oh, I don't care. I don't care. Like, did you get healthcare? like healthcare are you kidding me (laughs) anyway well she's good you know she's she lives in the real world you know equity to her is sort of this abstract crazy thing that may or may not happen whereas healthcare means that you know you guys have you know good healthcare and that's important for yeah so for a lot of reasons so yeah well that's really cool so i'm glad we were able to talk about that Cool. Uh, well, do you want to move on to some tech stories? You got anything this I week? I got a lot of little topics to bring up, okay, actually. Okay, great. Um, so why don't we go... Um, <laughs> so it's funny. I um, One email I got was uh, from a guy we know from MicroConf, Rudy. And he I mean, it was a really nice email and said that, that you know he liked the show and all and that he... Um, that he had a lot of... I think the word he used. It was emp- not empathy, but he, he shared a lot of uh, how I felt about launching products or startups and he, yeah. that's we like li- listen to us talk about those things and he said hey what about what if we were like maybe we could help each other out and be kind of because i'm trying to launch something sounds like you're trying to launch something why don't we be like accountability launch buddies kind of thing and i was like dude i have more accountability than i need i have like two thousand people holding me accountable for everything i do and say plus all of the my clients i was like i am overdone unaccountable right because when you announce yeah. stuff like this. I mean, you're held accountable. Yeah. You have a lot of people. I mean, obviously people we don't know. It was just sort of an abstraction, but then there are people we know, friends of ours listen to the show. Well, and friendly Sandy, acquaintances. Sandy's your biggest accountability partner. Yeah, I got accountability. What are you working on today? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I have accountability. I don't need it. So it's just sort of a funny thing. Like I can see generally like if someone is, you know, they, they have a full-time job and they come home and they work on their thing at night and the weekends that and they, it would be great if they had someone to talk to either a mastermind group or somebody who can hold them accountable um or if you're a consultant and you have one project just and things like that but yeah in my particular our particular situation <laughs> accountability is not something i'm lacking so what did you say what did you say i said no thanks i said good luck with everything i mean i gave him a little hint about what i was working on and you know i i also gave him disclaimer i said i understand that i work on from perspective of conventional wisdom and even basic probability by working on as much stuff as I do that that's, you know. What about that other email? Is it worth you saying? Cause, cause I think you've been getting some flack, uh, from a few different listeners, uh, lately about taking on too much, too many projects and, and not getting stuff uh, done. So do you want to like address that? Cause I think you, you, sure. you answered pretty well and pretty succinctly in the email that explained your perspective and why you had started the new your new secret project because actually there's a good reason for, for you starting that I, I makes sense yeah um well you know I, i've gotten a few emails recently some of them were pretty like the sort of trollish emails where people make up fake names and fake email addresses and they're pretty disrespectful 
and right. insulting. And, and uh, so, but his was the first that was, he, it made an accusation, but it was, at least it was respectful. It, right. it was right in that verge. From a real person. It right? made a verge of, you know, because things come across as email, they can be a little harsher, yeah. you know, than if someone's just talking to you and can adjust their tone based on how you're acting, you know. But so it came across as a little bit of a strong reaction in the email. And at first I was just going to respond, like, oh, whatever, you know. But then I was like, all right, screw this. Like, let me explain what's up. Like, because he said, he said something about, I mean, the, the central line was, I mean, he, he was nice at first, like, hey, I really like podcasts. And, but then in, in, in caps, he wrote, just do it or something or something. He's like, it? you know, maybe you should be more like Rob Walling and just get it done. Get it done in caps. Yeah. Get it done. In caps. You know. Yeah. And that kind of... Um, so, but you know where that comes from. The reason why he's doing that is because as he's got those big caps writing out, he's thinking back on 200 episodes and he's like, you you need to... He's frustrated because people are with you. They want you to do something. So, they're kind of angry with you like they'd be angry with a big brother or a little brother. Mm-hmm. So, that's why he's saying it like that. Yeah. But anyway, you had a good answer. So, so go on. So... First of all, in general, I, I just want to say that I do a lot of stuff, but I get stuff done. I mean, you know, we've done 200, this is our 222nd episode of this podcast. Right. How many podcasts go that many episodes? How many tech podcasts do you know? Not very many. Almost none. This Week in Tech? Right. That's it. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. So, like, again, that took a lot of work. We haven't, we, we deliver, we launch. Well, the other thing is you ran a football team for 10 years. I ran... Well, I started on my own what became one of the top men's amateur semi-pro teams in the country. We played in the state championship. We we scrimmaged an MLS, a major league soccer team, with real refs and everything. I mean, imagine what kind of team would be invited for an exhibition match against the Lakers or the Dodgers. That's pretty awesome. Pretty right? good team. I created that by myself. No partnerships, no funders. No community so, groups. Okay, no need to get too much to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. That's an example. But I'm just saying, we were on TV, sh- two different TV shows. So that's we two, scrimmaged that's, with, a, with a, we, we, we were training partners. We, we served as a training partner for some national team, national teams. I mean, that, I did that for so 10 that's, years. Okay, so that's two examples of getting something done. Right, now. And we, I wasn't just got it done for six months. I got it done for 10 years. We would play like 60 games a year. Okay. Tournaments, so, all, you know, that was a big deal. So now with any food. It's fair to say that you did basically get it done. It's not because you didn't get it done. It stalled for other reasons. It stalled for the reason we yeah. were talking about the show. So people yeah. would think like, oh, Jason's just being lazy or not committed. Yeah. I did a lot. And eventually I just re- I felt like I just can't do it anymore because I'm feeling it's it need- not fair. So, that, so the, the balance needs to be addressed for that. So regarding that, he got it done. Right. It okay. Done. Right. So next one. Uh, so, so now. Epic Night. We'll talk about Epic Night. Okay. I didn't talk about the email, but Epic Night I addressed. We worked on it for two years. Yeah. Or two and a half. We worked for a long time on that. And it's a massive, massive problem. It's an or it's a couple orders of magnitude harder than in, in anything else. It's a bigger it. problem that you had anticipated. And I think this is part of the humans not understanding the exponential aspect, right? Because there's it's there's so much to do. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you'd call it exponential. I think it's a little different. It's related in the sense that the brain just can't pre- comprehend certain levels of complexity that are just off in the distance. You always said it's three weeks away. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think us, I, as as general optimists and yeah. coders, we think we can get stuff yeah. done. So eventually, at some point, you can't just deliver. We'll keep working on something because of the sunk cost, cognitive foul, right. foul, bias, cognitive bias. Or because you want to look bad on like a podcast. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, it's people listen to this podcast, whether I do that, where I delivered to Epic Night or didn't, doesn't affect their lives at all. 
There is no point. It makes no effect. If you're sitting in Minnesota or New York or Florida and you're listening to this and whether Bapic Night comes real or not has zero impact in your life. But if I spend another year or two working on it when I could have launched some things that might have changed my life or my family's life or whatever, make huge, a huge difference. So I had to do it for the right reasons, not not because and so there's that was the one thing that I think I've done recently that was substantial that I said, you know, I'm just I'm we're just gonna, gonna stop have, this. We're just gonna have to stop this. I think, think you I, made the right decision. And so also, Prezo basically was a a business that you built and got done, and you screwed up your Google acquisition, but you got it finished. I mean, right? I, Google was on the verge of buying yeah. a web based version of PowerPoint back in two thousand six, and right. I built that with you know myself with like an average maybe an eight hours a week of help from Guyon. So yeah, and you know I built and I built multiple f- complete full stack distributed high frequency trading platforms by myself. I did it like three times over. I think so. Yeah, I've, I've delivered. You have, you have, but I think that you do because you have no filter between your brain and your mouth, mm-hmm. <laughs> you say what you're thinking. So I think that a lot of thought experiments come out of you. And, um, those thought experiments may sound to listeners like you're about to do something else. And you even may think you're about to do something. Else. So there's, a, it's kind of like Bill Gross has a lot of ideas. But those ideas don't all turn into companies. But as he's having the idea, he's very excited about it. And he says it. I think you you have a little bit of a case of that. So over 200 shows, you may have said a lot of other stuff that probably never really materialized into other stuff. But still, you but do m- get stuff done. But most of those things, yeah, and, and most of those things are just, hey, this would be cool to do. Maybe we'll do it. Or maybe we'll do this other thing. A lot of it is like blog posts I want to write, but right. I end up just not writing them. Yeah. But, uh, you know... But when it comes to most everything, I mean, Catalyst. I mean, how many people just out of nothing create something like Catalyst and keep it going? Just know. nothing. Create nothing. I'm not talking about like, oh, I was a Boy Scout leader and I joined an organization or I coached us. I coached my kids' basketball team for a season. Or I, no, I mean, create something out of nothing, convince a bunch of parents and do it. Like, and built a cutting edge technology platform to support it. Mm-hmm. People don't do that. On top of everything else, I did it. I delivered it. Yeah. Has it become a global phenomenon? Not yet. (laughs) But it is something real. And it's something, I think it's going to be something, growing to something kind of special. So anyway, that's sort of from my explanation that in the email was what I said. Okay. So that's enough of that. So we get it. So you you can do stuff. Um, So, but there's there's another thing. I do do stuff. You do do stuff. But there's another thing, which is that you've, we've spoken offline, is about you, you want to, do this like you want to do a whole bunch of different things rather than a single thing and you have some reasoning behind that it'd be good to yeah you know tell the listeners about that so a lot of a lot of our listeners and a lot of people just generally have this sort of implicit uh, this assumption that you're trying to make as much money as possible you're optimizing for that right i'm not necessarily just optimizing for that i've always optimized for quality of life am i happy Am I, am I excited about doing this? Is this something that I want to do that I'm going to get up every morning and be really, really jazzed about doing? You know, is this the kind of thing that I can't stop thinking about? Um, also, is this, is this, am I doing, and I'm also optimizing for my family. Am I doing stuff? Am I, am I a good husband? Am I a good father? Am I a great father? I mean, what am I, what am I doing for my kids? And what am I doing for my community? Am I doing anything good, meaningful? Or am I just completely self-focused and selfish? So I optimize for all those things or money. And, you know, I know a lot of people are trapped in situations and jobs where they're not really, they don't have much control of their life. They don't have a lot of enthusiasm for it. Um, you know, I do very well financially. So it's not like I have to have, you know, anything work. 
you know, I mean, I could literally just do Uber and it's all good financially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so this other stuff is like, it'd be nice if something took off and made a lot of money and that'd be great. But if it doesn't, it's, it's okay too. And you know, so catalyst is not meant as a money making venture. Catalyst is meant as something that I can do for Colby. It's something that I can do for the kids and the community. Um, it's something that I can do for myself because I think I've always wanted to do something like this. I thought it would be fun. And it's also turning out something you and I can do together, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and it's something that could become a much bigger deal. I mean, you know, I've talked about like how, what if you, we, you know, phase two, it's not just, we meet once a week in a room. We actually get, you know, we, we do, do some marketing, get a hundred, 200 kids involved, lease some office slash classroom space, then maybe you open up one in Santa Monica or you open up one in Chicago or whatever, or maybe put the things on the web, you go global, and you could grow it into something big. Have we done a podcast since the last Catalyst session where the where Catalyst Coder worked? No, let's talk about that in a minute. Yeah, good, yeah. 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 So, um, so me doing some other project isn't a competitor to Catalyst in the, sense that, in the same sense it's not a competitor to me coaching Colby's soccer team or me running my soccer team. Those are things that have nothing to do with money. They're not startup projects. Yeah, I do multiple things. You know, I sit on the homeowners association board for the last eight years. Do I can't do a startup because I do that? I mean, these things are like I can't do a startup because I play basketball on Sunday nights. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Well, I mean, it's just I do a lot of different things. So, um, and the reason I want to do this this new project is a couple. One, um, any food was stalling out for me um, because of the inequity. And we, Justin and I, and I started working on a little before, before Justin and I really had a heart to heart about what was going on. And, and, you know, so any food stalled out both sort of from an hour in hour by hour investment and also an emotionally stalled. Well, because the other thing is that because any food was stalling out, that was kind of annoying me too. So I started working on another side project, Mm -hmm. which I showed Jason and I got, I, you know, actually two side projects, Mm-hmm. And I showed those to Jason and I'd, I'd executed quite far on those. And I'm sure that would make him think, well, I better, I should do it my own. Side. I'm like, all right, fine. I could, you know, yeah. Justin can work on something fun and yeah. screw it. I can do the same thing too. Like I don't, you know. So. But also it's because the, the, the reason why I did those was the exact same reason that you did yours. Because when you have a, when you're working with a partner, you kind of beholden to them, you have to do something. If it's just your own thing, you can just do it and have fun and just like, exercise your your needing to do stuff demons without having someone looking over your shoulders telling you no look it needs to be done like this it needs to be done like this so i think that's why we both did our own crazy crazy stuff like i did the skyboard thing i did another thing called meal reel you double dollar double dollar god i've done a whole bunch of stuff yeah well you know you have you have creative energy and you have the ability to execute on it i mean yeah. I, you know i got an email from a listener uh, named James um, about wanting to help out on Catalyst and wanting to put time into it for equity and, and stuff. And he says, like, I don't have a lot of time, but, you know, I think I could add value and work on it. And it was a really nice email and he had a lot of ideas that were very much in line with things that I was already thinking. He had just sort of outlined things. Some of the stuff I said on the previous show, but some stuff I think he just sort of intuited, which were things that I was doing anyway. And uh, so... I, I emailed one thing. I emailed him back, and I said, basically, look, um, you know, great ideas. Appreciate the email, but honestly, I don't want to do any more partnerships. I'm very my my. I've become I've sort of soured on partnerships, at least when they're like part time remote partnerships. 
because it's so hard to say like who's done what and who's contributed what, who deserves what. And since it's a part-time thing and it's not necessarily you're making money on it, it's like you can cycle in and out on it. And it's like, it's hard to say, well, well, why haven't you done work on the six? Well, I couldn't because my work and this and that. And so what what are you going to say? Yeah. Okay. I understand. But it still doesn't change the fact that you're no longer contributing. If it's an open source project, whether you contribute or not, you just do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Right. But when in company, it's like your ownership is tied to, you, the expectation that you consistently execute a certain number of certain amount of time and energy on it. And if it doesn't, it becomes a problem unless you come up with some kind of some dynamically dynamic equity allocation scheme, which we've talked a little bit about on the show, but it's very rare and people just generally don't do it. We didn't even do it with anything. We just said, we're going to do 50-50 and we're both going to work on this thing. Right. And yeah. And even the, the whole dynamically uh, allocated thing to me doesn't work because ours don't equal equity. Because you could be working on a grant work registration system, and then the other person could be working on uh, some kind of marketing thing that brings a thousand people to the site. So it takes half an hour to do the one, and it takes yeah. yeah I eight don't, hours I don't to buy that. You've said it to me a couple of times. I think it's total bullshit. I no, mean, it's I like, it's because it's like if you both come in and you're both like all the stuff needs to get done, and if you say, "Well, I'm going to work on something that's higher value, so I'm going to get more of the company," no, no, then I'd that's be like, not what then I'm you're both going to be fighting for doing those things. Well, but that's 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 kind of my point is that I mean, unless you come in and somebody comes in and it's like, okay, you have two years experience and I have twenty years experience, or you're in a marketing and you don't know anybody and I have a role to exercise of a phone book. But what then? Then it, it, a priority come before you even start. You say, look, my hours count X, or I'm going to take X. You have to account for that earlier, but you can't say, well, hey. I built this system. It only took me two hours, but trying to be a huge win, so I get more of the company. But no, but the point I'm trying to make is I'm not necessarily saying that that's how you should measure it. But what I'm saying is that it proves that hours are just as bogus a metric as this other thing. Because if you think about hours, like so you could be cleaning the toilet for like eight hours and then the other person is doing something that brings a lot more value to the company. Well, so, so how can you make a decision? That's why just 50-50 is a better scenario. Just 50-50, fuck everything else, just do 50-50. But then, but, then, but then it was like, for instance, like when Guy and I were working on Night, I mean, I was putting in a lot more time because I would work a lot on the weekends on it and we would only work together. So whenever he was working, I was working on it. And when I was working on it, he wasn't necessarily working on it. So I was probably working, you know, I was probably doing three quarters of the work or more. And so it wouldn't be fair. So it, so if, if it was 50 or 50, no matter what, and his time was much more constrained than, I, than mine was, then essentially I would just not do any work on well, it. Well, then the just, say, just say, tw- you know, 75, 25 or something like that. But just do a percentage and just say, right, I'm the main guy in this. The other person isn't. Yeah. So bottom line, but see, and I, I know, so what we're getting at is it's complicated and yeah. it's messy and it's yeah. unclear. And then it's like, well, what if somebody says they're going to do stuff and then it starts falling off and then there becomes conflict you know, well, you said you're going to do this. Well, I told you I couldn't because of this and this. And my wife does this and the kids and then my Okay, job. so... It's a million reasons why things So happen. if you're two kids starting out a startup and you're like living in a dorm together, then 50-50 or makes sharing sense. An, or yeah, sharing, sharing. You're all day. Like yeah. when Phil and I were working on um, our first company in the Edge system, we would sit in a room together all day. It was all good. Like we were both there all day every day. Yeah, it makes sense. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But when you're remote, you it's rem- like, so you're going to get 5%. You know, let's say something. Well, I want to let, let's say that someone. You know, let's say James said, "All right, well, I want to do this, and I want to get one percent, or five percent, or ten percent." He has some kind of idea about how much work, but it's, it's hard to tell. Like, it, you know, can he put that much time in? And what happens if he doesn't? Or what happens if I decide I want to do something with a company? Now I have to like check with him. 
You know, what if someone says, hey, Jason, what you're doing is really cool. We want to fund it. And I say, and I've suddenly changed my whole idea about what I want to do. And I'll put money into it. And then it just gets really complicated and messy. And it's like, oh, with this guy who lives on the other side of the country or the world. And he has a small stake in it. So we got to get him on board. And it's just like, I don't need the, I don't need it, you know. And I would much rather do it myself and pay other people to do the things that I either can't do or don't want to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Keep it simple. So I've just... I've just really soured on the whole partnership thing. I think it only works in certain under certain contexts. And I remember when I started my first company, it's called Renaissance Research Group. Um, I also refer to it as Edge System, which we renamed it to later. Um, Phil and I came up to Pasadena. We got our office space. And one of the first things we did is we, we were going to go meet with an accountant about setting up you know, how we do the accounting and stuff. And the first thing we said, well, we have a partnership and LLC, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, he was at this old, probably 60-year-old, 65-year-old account. And he just looks at us. He's like, you know, I just don't do partnerships. I don't like them. We're like, what? <laughs> it was just seemed such a weird thing to say. Yeah. You know, we're 22. right? We're like, well, partnerships all the time. He's like, yeah, they just almost never work out. There are always problems. And mm-hmm. I always thought, and we just, I was just the weirdest thing. And ever since that, <laughs> I look back and I think, yeah, a lot of the problems I've had, had to do with the fact that it was a partnership. You know, when you just own something, you might have, be a little underpowered for a while, but you have control over it and you can do it and all yourself. And then if something doesn't work out, you just, if a designer doesn't do work you like, you don't pay them anymore. You, you don't hire them for any of it. If someone else doesn't do something, that's fine. Just like you with Plugio. You try things, you experiment, you hire people, they don't work out, you stop paying them, you move on, find something else. And it's only things got only got complicated when you started sharing equity yeah, it's true. That's what makes it complicated yeah. and messy and stressful, right? I don't want the stress. <laughs> I don't like fighting with people. I don't like arguing with people. I don't want to, if I just suddenly want to change the name of something or do something, I want to just do it. Hey, it's Sunday night. I'm thinking, something, oh, I'm going to go change this. Like, oh, I have a conversation. I can send a long email. I'm thinking about saying, changing this and da, da, da. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want it. It's just a pain in the butt, you know? And, and, it, and it strikes some people as weird. And I think it strikes James as really weird because he's thinking, well, why, you know, I'm a, you know, because James is obviously a smart guy, an enthusiastic guy. For all I know, he could be very hardworking, but I don't know those things. I mean, you never know how things are going to work out until a year down the road, even people you know really well. And, um, and so I think he was disappointed and probably even got his feelings hurt a little bit. And, you know, when I said I didn't want to, because we had a, we even ended up having a conversation for an hour on the phone, really nice conversation and he had some great ideas. But then, um, you know, I had to reiterate, like, I, <laughs> I don't, just so you know, I, I'm not interested in partnering. I mean, if you want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, it's, that's totally cool. And I love, you know, if you want to tell me to share ideas, I'd love to hear them. But, you know, I just, I, I don't want to, I just, I don't want to doom anything to failure because of the freaking partnership. Okay, so um, you want to move on to the next subject? Sure. Okay, so we have a long overdue executive producer announcement. In fact, so long, it was back from October 2012. And this is totally my fault, and I feel really bad about this. Wow, how did you remember? Did he remind you? Yeah, yeah, by by Twitter. Like, I I don't mean to, like, bug you, but you never mentioned my executive. Okay, so we got to get some serious love then. (laughs) Yeah. So this is uh, Felix Leong, um, and he, the, well, he was an early. He was our first donate. Yeah, one of our first donors. Yeah. So oh, okay, I'm, and you 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 totally disrespected Felix. I feel so bad. So basically, this. Uh, so Felix said in his email back in 
October. Now talk about not getting stuff done. So back in last year, <laughs> yeah, 2012. Last year. Right, okay. Since Jason isn't willing to take a donation to get him an iPad, how about do- how about a donation to get the site redesigned that you originally pledged for about two <laughs> years ago? <laughs> yeah. So this. So anyway, Felix uh, gave us fifty bucks, donated fifty bucks, um, and that was towards a site redesign, which we had originally spoken about two years ago. Uh, God, the show's been running two years now, hasn't it? We're going to have the longest running, ugliest site of all time. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, I know that the, the the site should look better, but we just don't have the, I mean, we've got so much other stuff going on, yeah, so right? It's not a high priority. I mean, it's, just, it's a very I, low priority. I, I guess, I guess if, if you took, if you did the equa- the, the ratio of the quality of the design of the site from a one to a 10 divided yeah. by the number of shows, we probably have the lowest quality to never show quotient of almost any podcast in history <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i mean there's some bad bad designs but they did like seven shows yeah but any show that made it over 30 or 40 was serious <laughs> yeah they, start, they started to make a design throw, better yeah you know so ours is like the all-time ugliest we're like the craigslist of uh of uh, podcast podcast design uh, right. podcast blogs wow. well felix um thanks so much so anyone uh please do check out felix that's F-E-L-I-X-L-E-O-N-G.com. And I'm just having a look at that site now just to see what happens. Yeah, so check it out and send him an email or send him a tweet and say, dude, thanks for... You're uh, the man. You're the man. Thanks for donating to texting. Thank you, Felix. I'll say it since, you know, <laughs> belated thank you. And I apologize for Justin. <laughs> oh, my tardiness. I really screwed that up. Oh. But uh, Does Felix yeah. have... What's his website or Twitter handle? Uh... His Twitter handle is Felix Leong. Leong, L-E-U-L-L-E-O-N-G. Say it again, L- L-E-O-N-G, so F-E-L-I-X-L-E-O-N-G. Okay, that's Felix his Leung. Twitter handle. Yeah. Does he have a, uh, a blog or a website? Yeah, FelixLeong.com. That too? Yeah. I hate it when people can get those. Like, you've just, just Vincent at Gmail. I'm like, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jason R11. I mean, lame. <laughs> Well, God, I got just. You know. See, I, I was I on the internet before you. No, I, you were just on the ball. Justinvincent.com. Well, just, just, Justin, Jason Roberts is a very common name. Yeah, and it's it's not John Smith, but it's not far off. I do. I do still keep getting emails that there's some other person out there who keeps on saying justin.vincent at gmail.com and it keeps on coming to me because the dot, as far as Gmail is concerned, is just a, a wildcard character. Well, one of my other email uh, addresses that I have that redirects or forwards to my Gmail account is j roberts at yahoo yeah that's a bad bad email list to have how many j dot roberts there are josh jennifer oh Jane, yeah joe jim dot, oh, you know, of course. So they i don't you get a lot of crap and plus it's like spam list they just make up when they probably randomly generate emails j dot roberts is going to be high on the list of randomly generated probable email addresses so you said an interesting thing to me yesterday you said the Gmail interface sucks. I think my, when I see Ye- Sandy using the Yahoo interface, I just wish that Gmail looked like that. Well, not entirely. What I, when it, the tabbed interface. Yeah. The fact that they have multiple tabs, so you can have like, you, be, you could be writing three or four emails. You could be reading two, you could flick between the tabs to, to be referring to previous emails, and you could have another tab or two for emails. They, oh, they have perhaps. that in the Yahoo? Sure. So tabbed interface is much better. For me, it would be better. I would like that. I do think the Gmail interface is pretty ugly. I mean, I think we're, I think they're just, it works. I think they're, it works, but it could be a lot better. And I don't mean it has to be like heavy duty over designed, but I just think the UI, UX aspects of it could be 
better. The thing I like about the Gmail is you don't even use it for, which is basically the fact, from my perspective, you just have this unending, unending inbox with uh, labels that color color emails. The forever inbox? Yeah, whereas <laughs> you don't like anything to be in your inbox. I get zero inbox, yes, last night. I was like, yes! <laughs> there can be only one! Yeah. Oh, that was that felt so good. And then I got an email and I had one. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> don't email me. That's when you started spamming me with links oh, a week you, ago. You were so rude. You sent me, you, you auto-botted, sent, you sent me six links I in like the span of 10 I minutes and they were just randomly they were like random links from the front page of hacker news i'm like interesting hey i've seen every single one of these yeah i read hacker news too dude like i've seen every <laughs> single one of those and either i read it or b i ignored it because i didn't think it was interesting <laughs> and two and so i'm like why are you sending me these and you're like well i'm just thinking about them kids talking on the show and i'm like well so what i'm your personal pin board jason pinboard dot in for justin <laughs> like oh justin oh you want your links here just uh just email me and i'll email your email list your link list yeah you were you were very insulted for some reason i, I mean that's, <laughs> that's the kind of guy i'm dealing with like i just send him links and he gets insulted <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, it was an auto I, I really thought you put me on your bot i really thought it was your tweet bot i was Twitter, just up, like bot. just love like reading through articles and i was like uh yeah I, I kind of was just trying to pin those links yeah that's what i was trying to do yeah you were trying to make me manage them because you don't manage them yourself <laughs> you wanted me I, i'm not busy enough so you're gonna, you're gonna interrupt me with emails you want me to think about what you're thinking about and then you want me to manage them for you i'm like look if you want a list of links that you want to talk about on the show book a mark them during the week curate them, find your top ones, and then email them the night before and say, hey, Jay, here's what I'm thinking I might want to talk about. That's totally cool. appreciate okay. it. In fact, I encourage it. All right, fair enough. So <laughs> one, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, uh, Brent from Uber Media. Uh, he, he's a great iOS developer, and uh, he works for Uber Media, and he's created their um, uh, Echophone, uh, I think it's, uh, no, friend, uh, Facebook mm-hmm. app. So they've, they've created their own Facebook app. So anyway, he's been working on a side project that he told me about. So normally when people work on side projects, you think of something like Plugio or something like your secret project or some of the Rob Walling stuff. But his side project is kind of interesting. Um, I've never really heard of any... Are you saying that these aren't interesting? No, these are interesting, but his is like... I've never heard of a... What would you call this? Like a a humanitarian or whatever? Basically, what what his side project is, is it's Kickstarter for... um, Adoption. Adoption. And helping families fund adoption. Adopttogether.org. Yeah. They've raised, they've raised over 500000 There's a side project? Yeah, his side project. Oh, they've raised for families. Well, not they, the company has raised yeah, funding. Yeah. They, so so through, the, through the Kickstarter for adoption, they have raised basically $500,000, which I think is kind of cool. You know, it's an interesting uh, side project. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to bring it. And the... Uh, Domain name is adopttogether.org. It's a good domain name. Adopttogether.org. Good brand. And um, look, I'm just going to, just showing Jason, like, a, like, for example, these people here. Have, it's a Kickstarter thing, kind of that tan background. Yeah. And uh, so these people here have raised 6000 and out of 25000 for example. To help them pay for an adoption. Yeah. And so, so they people are listing what their life looked like. So it's like a child wish list. Like we wish for this child and it's going to cost us 15,000. Help right, us pay for it. Right. <laughs> that's good. It's funny, but uh, no, but that's really great. Obviously that's a, that's a great, it's amazing. Adoptions are so expensive, but it's, but it, like, it's an interesting side project, right? I mean, yeah. like normally a side project is self serving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's actually trying to make the world a better yeah, place. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, that's great. Anyway, I recommend you, you guys check it out, adopttogether.org. Um, and Brent is, uh, has built that. He's, um, he's the coder on it, and there's a couple of other people involved as well. Cool. Yeah. So you want to uh, want talk Catalyst? Yes. So I will uh, give a quick my, my perspective. Justin's corner. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we give you a little corner. So Jason, we've been wanting Jason to build the point system for Catalyst so that the kids can come in and do the challenges and earn some points. Well, we'll explain what the challenge is so people know. Go on then. You want you go ahead and explain it. I've talked too much. Uh, all right. So challenges. Um, write a function that multiplies the number given to it by two, and so call the, call the function multiply by two, and then if you basically do it right, and you click run and it runs correctly, you win the challenge, and you get a point. Although I think it should be 10 points. I think you should get 10 points for every challenge you get right. So the kids can say, I've got a thousand points, you know? Yes, his first input is great inflation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to inflate this currency. Yeah, I totally do, yeah. Right. So, um, but so you write in, so that would be an example of a challenge. So I'll write mm-hmm. a number of different challenges about writing functions or a number of challenges about for loops or whatever, then we'll have you do different things. They have to write code. And, and, and uh, yeah. So anyway, we start the lesson. Jason has been working on this thing for five days straight. Like he has been really, really focused on this, doing at least four hours for five days. So he's like, dude, it's working. Everything's good. I've got it working. I've got this whole admin backend where we can input challenges. We can make it all work. So um, I'm okay. We get computers out. First kid tries to log in, servers down. So of course, Jason doesn't have any way of fixing it or bringing the server back up in the Catalyst class. So he has to run home. So he runs home and I'm once again doing another 15 minute <laughs> lesson on freaking functions. <laughs> right. But anyway, finally he got it up and running and it was working and he came back like within 15 minutes and the kids started going through the lessons and earning their points. And it was good because um, previously the, the, the tests that we had were very varied, but now the tests that you had created this time were basically just a slight variant on the same thing. So they could do like 10 tests and it would still take them a little bit of thought to do each test. But then after 10, they're like, oh, I get this concept. Now I, now I get the concepts. So then you move on. And plus also the admin interface you've written in the back end so that you can just add new tests. I like that. That's good. Cool. Well, first of all, as much as it sucked for you, for me to leave you there to give a lesson, it sucked five times as much as for me. I was so stressed out and frustrated that I had to run back home to get the notes. To, I mean, uh, that sucked. I mean, yeah, obviously I apologize. So what had happened is one thing I hadn't tested enough was a registration because everyone had to re-register. Mm-hmm. And the registration, there was some problem with that and it was crashing. And that's, that's why it worked. But once it got it working, it was miraculous and how focused and quiet everybody was. Yeah, you were, you were, were like, this is great. Yeah. Like, this is what we'd imagined all along. This is this the, would make it the easier. The kids are having fun. Mm-hmm. They're enthusiastic and they're motivated. They're quiet and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you and I are just kind of helping them every once in a while. Okay, oh, why don't you think about it this way? Why don't you think about it that way? As opposed to like, I don't know, trying to keep people on task and trying to explain things from scratch again. Mm-hmm. It was exactly, it worked exactly right. So the idea of the point system, the challenges was right on. It was all about just getting it working and getting it working right. You just had to 
get it done. Yeah, get it done. <laughs> I got it done. <laughs> so so now I'm just going to be adding a lot more challenges. Um, well, you still have to fix those bugs. I do. I'm going to be doing that this weekend. You better. Oh, I will. Believe me. I'm going to do that. Thoroughly test registration. I'll let you test it. I'll, I'll have it by Monday. I'll have it so that All you right, can run through and create a bunch of... Oh, we also had Manny there, um, who's a, a, another uh, Uber Media gent. Yeah. Um, who helped us and actually he he did it like a stint of teaching and he had those kids quite like that. Obviously a professional teacher knows how to teach. But he what do you think of it? Yeah, he really liked it. He really enjoyed it. He said yeah. he said it's great it's great when the software's working. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And how. I'm telling you, yeah. that was a huge deal. So it was very exciting though to see how well it worked. Mm-hmm. Um and to see the potential there. So, especially when you have like a leaderboard and you see everybody else's points and you can go back and look at your old programs and refer to them. And yeah. It's going to be really cool. Um, let's see. What else about uh, Catalyst? Oh, um, so I'm, I'm in the process. I set up a VPS server so I can move everything over to one server because you know how I have the PHP running on one server and I have Catalyst running on a, Node, a Node.js and running an AppFog. So completely different server, so it's making a connection properly across the internet rather than an internal private network. Yeah, no, it will be doing that. It'll, it'll be on the same server. So I'm gonna, so it's going to have... So it, wa- it was going across the, 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 internet. the internet, but now it's going to be on a private network. Well, it's even going to be on a private network. It's going to be on one machine. One machine. Okay, great. So you're going to have... And I was trying to figure out, like, how do you run Node and Apache together? Because I want to use Node, uh, Apache and PHP for all the standard... Um, database access and business logic and, and, and everything like that. But I need the node front end for handling um, things we've talked about on, on the, the ID depends on, on, on being able to do that. Some of the tricks I use depend on a synchronous Ajax request. So um, there's different ways you can do that. You, you, you can't have them run on different ports and have them both open to the public or to the, to the client because the, it'll be a cross domain error if you try and talk to one and talk to the other. Okay, so you can make a call that hits the, that hits some API endpoint to say you know insert challenge result and then try and get some stuff from the node. That's not gonna work. So you need to have them go through a proxy. So you can either have um, Apache proxy it through using uh, you know the edit doing some trick with the HD access file. But the problem is every long lived connection that goes to a node is going to take up a thread in Apache. The other option is if you don't do th- that, there's another module you can use instead of it's something like npm but, worker. But you can, you can they can be on the same main domain but different subdomains. No, yeah, I think you have a cross domain. You still have a cross domain scripting error. You, you can't have subdomain different subdomains or a domain on a subdomain. Oh, I thought you could. No, not in my experience. The only way you can do that is using JSONP, but then it's a whole other pain in the butt. Okay. Because we did that. I mean, I, we wrestled with this with Godview stuff on an Uber. Okay. I've done a lot of that. And yeah, it's not, um, not, really, not possible. Uh, so the other option was use Apache, use a different worker, some kind of new worker threading module where it's single-threaded. Yeah. But then they said, the, at least in the Stack Overflow um, answer for this question, was that it would have a threading problem in PHP. It's not thread-safe. Hmm. Now, since PHP doesn't really do, th- I didn't think it would be doing things that would be cross, that would really make threading problems. I, I figured that probably would be worth messing with. So I'm using Node is proxying. All, so all requests go to Node, but if it if it has certain routes, it will the Node will deal with it itself. Otherwise, it just automatically proxies it off to Apache. Hmm. And Node can deal with, can scale. It's great for that. 
And there's a module called Node Proxy. Where I think it's called I think it's Node Proxy or something similar to that. But I'd use that to, on some Uber work I did. So Node back. is in front of Apache. Maybe that's going to work like that um, Nginx hack. Maybe like could, could you, for example, have I don't know a thousand connections coming into Node. Yes. And then they all hook through to Apache. Yes. Huh. Yeah. I mean, you could also have Nginx in the front and it proxies for both Node and Apache. I mean, you could probably, you could come up with like any number of different crazy configurations. So how does Node, without wanting to get too technical, although this is very technical. This <laughs> is a tech show. Why <laughs> right. not? Get how does, how does Node, uh, like, so there's a thousand, a thousand requests come in, but Apache can only handle, you know, let's say 20, right? So Node's, Node's backing up a thousand mm-hmm. and passed off 20 to Apache. Can can Node do that? Oh sure. Like and, and yeah. then queue up the other nine nine thousand eight hundred and eighty. Yeah. Now I don't know. I don't know where the limit is in terms of the number of concurrent connections before it starts having problems. I mean, but Node knows how to queue stuff based. Well, know, it just holds on to it. It just has like a list of open socket connections, and it just you know when an event happens on one, it deals with it. Oh, but how does it know not to send something through to Apache, or is is that Apache who says? Oh, so. You so you, so it has a request yeah. and you come in and you get the request and you you have like a you can say get the URL of the request and you go oh what URL is this oh this path is something that this goes to an this goes this is something I want to send through to Apache because it's just it's, an, it's getting an admin view or it's getting an API endpoint so I'm passing it through. No, I get that part, but what I mean is if if all Apache's children are used up. How does Node know to not pass? Oh, no, it doesn't know that. No, it yeah. does not do that. Okay. But, I mean, look, I mean, you know, I'm not worried about scaling this to okay. millions of people. <laughs> We're trying to get this thing to work really yeah. well with, you know, 20 or 30 concurrent users. I mean, it obviously could probably work with hundreds of concurrent or thousands of concurrent users. But what it could do, tens of thousands? Who knows? But, um, yeah, so I, I got the VPS set up on A2 Hosting, which is the hosting environment that I've used before. And um, it's actually pretty cool. I got everything working really well. Um, so I got Node set up, and I got the um, proxy stuff set up, and I you know, was able to install I was able to install it really easily. And I'm not a Linux admin, so I'm always a little hesitant when getting into the command line on Linux and installing a bunch of stuff. Because whenever you get to the, the directions, they're like, oh, we'll just install this here and then push this into et cetera, user, var, this, variable, and then move this stuff around. I'm like, oh, what? Why? What? I don't understand. Why am I moving this stuff all these different directories? What's the trade-off from installing stuff in one place versus another? I mean, it's just it's sort of frustrating when, you're not, when you don't know the answer to those things, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, but the, so the, but I got through all of that, except for the one part I need to work on is that, so Node has to be a long-lived process it has to continually run it can't run within a window or a s you know a ssh session right mm-hmm. because if you run it through if you say nodes you know you know node server.js to run server.js even if you run the background it's going to die as soon as you close that window or that lose that session right not if you run it in the background that's what no, that's funny but you say that because they were talking about that on um um on Stack Overflow, and some people were claiming that you could, and some people were claiming that you couldn't. And the winning votes were saying that you couldn't. The more people were saying that it would ultimately wouldn't work. Maybe it has to do with some configuration of how mm-hmm. Linux is set up and users and permissions and whatever. But, but what is true is that if it dies because the server gets rebooted, it's not going to get automatically started, or if it crashes. So the idea, the recommendation, the consensus seems to be to use a combination of upstart and monit. Um, which, when I was reading, I was like, okay, well, if you have, like, Fedora or one of these other distributions, like, you just do apt-get-install, 
upstart. But if you have CentOS, which is what I have, you have to like build from source and do all this crap. What so did you what did you CentOS and not? It was just what was available. It was like there's five things. It was like one of the top ones, and I just grabbed it. I mean, like I don't know, right? I mean, I don't I don't know which one's better than the other one. Yeah, just use Ubuntu. Why? Because they because there's just more people. Well, I mean, in my understanding, it's more widely used. I, I don't know. It just seems easier to do. See, they said. Them. See, I had read somewhere else. They said that CentOS took the lead, and then it was right around there. And CentOS, which is like a offshoot of like Red Hat's enterprise mm-hmm. version, and it went to. See, I don't know enough about it, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I I see fifteen different a drop list of fifteen different distributions. Well, what the hell do I know? I mean, I don't know. But the other thing, though, is I think, because I, I wanted to install the LAMP stack, and I think the LAMP stack automatically came on CentOS. I think CentOS was the one that was installed with the LAMP stack right. for the VPS. I mean, I could have installed any one of them, but then I have to go install PHP and MySQL and Apache and all this stuff from Square, from myself. Or if it is installed, I have to make sure it all works configured. It's like you were saying to me, you said, um, you asked me, could I help you set this up? And then you changed your mind, and you said, you know what, I'm going to do this myself because... I've always relied on other people to do this kind of, you know, uh, server app and stuff. But I think you're exactly right. Like, you need to be understanding it. It's 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 a big part of what you're about to do with your secret project. If you don't understand that and you have to call me up when the server goes yeah, down, that's no good. you're screwed, right? You need to understand how to administrate these things. Yeah, which is annoying. It seems that these things have to be as administrative as much as they do. They totally do, yeah. Yeah, whereas opposed to, like, you know, back in the day. They have to like, continually be updated as well, you know. Yeah. So that that's another, another thing about... I don't know how it works with CentOS, but at least I can tell you how to set, you know, how to update um, Ubuntu, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what will happen is if if, it, if the system's not being updated, it's only a matter of time before hackers get in there and start sending spam sure. emails. Yeah, I may. I mean, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to see if I can get Upstart and Monit installed, and I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with CentOS. If that turns out to be a nightmare of some kind, then I'll see if I can reset it and, and put like Fedora or Ubuntu because I think. Installing Upstart was a no-brainer. It was just apt-get install. Yeah, that's the, 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 that's done. how I've installed everything on it. But apt-get nginx, boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, anyway, so that's that's one that's one thing's working. But I think for Tuesday, we'll see how my time goes today and tomorrow. We get a lot of kid activities, and we got yeah basketball games and baseball tryouts and a soccer game and soccer bank. I mean, we got all that. Just this weekend and birthday party to go to. So we got a ton of kid stuff. Okay, we need to wrap this up. So let's, let's see. I got a couple more little things I want to bring up first. Okay, sure. So uh, I'm flying up to um, San Francisco to go work with uh, Uber okay. on Tuesday night cool. after a Catalyst session. Yeah. So um, that's, your, that's your new. Yeah. Yeah. New yeah. So coach soccer practice four to five, run back, change, get all the Catalyst stuff, get over, set things up, do Catalyst for an hour, come back, run, grab some dinner, take a shower. Pack, head off to the airport, fly to San Francisco, get in there around 1230 night. Cool. So I'm going to meet with, uh, I'm going to have dinner with Sean Dross, who's one of the um, founders of Catalyst Class. Oh, great. Yeah, he was the guy who had invited me to come speak last yeah. time I was up there. Seemed like a really nice guy. Um, and I thought it would be really a lot of fun to uh, compare notes and share war stories. And mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from his perspective on on what it's like and how they came with the idea and everything. I mean, maybe at some point we'll get him on the show. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go have dinner with them. So yeah, let's, let's start doing some interviews. So funny you bring that up. Oh. So I invited the founder of um, Upverter, the guy, uh, Zach. I'm blanking on his last name right now. But uh, he, uh, he went about right back, said he'd be really excited to be on. He, um, Upverter is one of these sites where you can design electronics 
on the oh, yeah. a web, in our website. Oh. You go and design it, and then it can simulate it, do simulations and stuff for you. Oh, cool! But then you can and you can also lay out your circuit board, and they can and then send it off and have the circuit board printed and mailed to you. So you can have a printed circuit. Board. Oh, that's cool! Yeah, yeah super cool, right? Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of remember um, genome compiler where you could uh, with, with Omri. Yeah, um, and he he talked about how you go on there, you could design your genome, and then have the genome synthesized and then mailed to you in a test tube, right? And that's how they made their money. Is actually they wouldn't charge you the software, but they make money by sending these designs off to the companies that would uh, synthesize yeah. what you wanted. Yeah, that's cool. So that looked like it'd be really cool from a couple different standpoints. I mean, obviously it's a it's a web cloud based thing. You know, it's kind of stuff we tend to talk about. We talk about electronics every once in a while. It'd be fun to hear about that. And I also want to talk about the educational side of things because I'm, I'm, it seems to me that you could greatly widen your audience if there was an easier way to get people up to speed on how to do that stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's just you just have to be an electrical engineer, but it seems to me that you could short-circuit that. What other, <laughs> intended. No, what, other, what other interviews uh, do you have lined up? Well, I sent an email to, I haven't responded yet, but I, this, cause this was just last night, but I sent an email to the guy who wrote uh, the No Bullshit Guide to Math and Physics. Did you see that pop up on Hacker News? I did, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that would be an interesting, you know, it's the, it's the whole ebook play, we talk about that, but plus we've been talking about education and how to streamline it, and uh, I don't know, he seemed like he'd be a fun guy to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to send an email to Gabriel Weinberg. Gabe, if you're listening to the show, <laughs> you're coming up. We're going to get you on that in a couple weeks. Um, and a couple others. Oh, you know one I was going to email, but I'm kind of thinking maybe not, is I got an email from um, Justin, uh, Just, is it Justice Condor? He's also known as the Singularity Hacker. It, is, is, it was an article in Gizmodo called, Well, That's Insulting. This Technology Wants You to Read Less. Yeah. That's about that TLDR. TLDR, yeah. I tried it out on a couple sites. It doesn't work so well. I, I can, it's probably... Because it's machine-based. It's young technology, yeah. Well, it's machine-based. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was like, it's like you grab the first line of a couple paragraphs or something. And it just sucked. I think the way TLDR, you, you need it to work until you have strong AI, is you have to have human beings say, hey, just two sentences or three sentences, this is basically what it is. Yeah. This is basically the... Like, it'd be nice to have the three sentence synopsis well, but there was there was a website that was doing that yeah there's been exactly a couple, people, a couple yeah. people have been trying it i don't know if anyone's really achieved liftoff because i'm not sure what the business model is going to be but um yeah that was a i was a little disappointed because he sent it to me and he's like hey weren't you talking about this you know wanting this and i was like yeah yeah i hope to see this works and i tried it and it's like yeah but um another thing is kind of similar is 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 uh, jason calacanis's launch ticker so rather than having like a, a browser plugin where whenever you go to a long article, it looks interesting, but you're like, ah, this is one of 30 articles I want to read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest reading in these three or four, but I'd like to kind of know the gist of this one, you know, because really that's what you what the use of this would be for. But you would have a browser, pl- a browser plugin and you would just click on it, TLDR, and it would just bring up. That's how TLDR works. But launch ticker, just you get an automatic email which just has all the tech stories for the day summarized. The, the most interesting, this, this firm got bought, this got funded, this launched this new product or whatever. And it's like a one sentence yeah. description. I think that's pretty useful. And I always thought, I was always, that was always something, that was actually an idea I've had for a long time of doing something like that. I had a great domain. I still have a great domain name for it called signalcast.com. That I thought would be good. Oh yeah, that is a good name. Um, I had to... Uh, 
Let's see. One thing I built, I'm just going blasting through these last couple of things. One yeah, thing sure. I built uh, that's been working really well uh, at Uber was a we call the something I call the dispatch validator. It was actually Amos's idea. Amos is one of the uh, engineers who works on um, yeah on the dispatch system, and he's he's like you know Rene, he's the one who I worked with on the grid, and he went over built actually wrote the code for the grid. He um he's like you know we need something that like can tell us when things are out of sync or not are not right you know like there's a this an object's invalid or doesn't have some data it's supposed to have and so what this thing does is it runs it's a service that runs separately but then it hits it'll hit like all of the workers or or we call them peers for a particular city say dc washington dc and it'll get all the information of their clients drivers and trips and it'll also go and and query redis to find out what's saved and it'll do all these consistency checks you know, do do all of these objects have the parts that they need? Are there, does the same things in Redis exist in the grid? And if they don't, check back in a few seconds later. Are they still out of line, or is that just temporary? And and then if it if it uh, finds something that doesn't work, it logs it and sends out a, what we call a fail mail huh, to nice. everybody in DevOps. This is this just trip doesn't have a client. This is on DC. Here's yeah. the here's the status and that's cool. That's kind of neat. So it keeps them. So basically, it's like a twenty-four-seven alert system to something weird happening. Yeah, like an intelligent. You know, like these other sites that just say "use your server down." This goes through and says, you know, does a lot of. It has probably like twenty-five, maybe thirty, different types of. Uh, I've been needing checks. that for Plugio. I mean, I woke up the other day and it had fallen over because of some reason or some, some weird thing. So I need some checks and balances that are just checking the database, seeing if some weird thing happens, and then sending an email. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, works really well. This is neat. Um, yeah, good. Now, let's see. So, um, I think I want to talk about. <laughs> I had to write a check today. I had to. So, in Uber, I have, um, you know, I had a four year, you have a four year vesting period. Yeah. And my options have been vesting for a year and a half. I mean, I've been consulting with them for two years, but I didn't start. I didn't actually start doing full time consulting to a little over a year ago. And Travis was nice enough to have him push the vesting period back six months. Um, so anyway, they're starting to vest and I was talking to my attorney about this and this is just for people who are interested in how equity options work when startups and things. And he's like, you know, so, well, so I asked him, I said, so what should I do about these options? I mean, I'm, I'm vested about 18 months of the four year vesting period. I mean, what? And he's like, well, is there any difference, any difference between, well, the first thing, first, if you, exercise the options and then you sell them like that period of difference between that time. If that's inside one year, you pay short-term capital gains, right? Which is a lot higher. You know, if you pay long-term capital gains is, I don't know what, 15, 20%, whereas long-term can be depending on your tax bracket, 30, 40%. Short-term, 30, 40. Short-term, 30, 40, right? Yeah. So you want to get the long-term, you want that stock clock to start ticking. And he's like, so you want to, he's like, you want to exercise them, purchase those options sooner so you can start to get the clock to start ticking before you sell them he's like however if whatever your strike price was of those options when they were granted to you if the company has been revalued then and there's a difference and they're significantly more expensive you're going to pay taxes on that difference you get taxed twice right mm-hmm. so as it turns out the the granting the, ta- the company hasn't been revalued since they were granted but at the rate that Uber is growing you know they're it's it's likely at some point they're either going to raise another big monster round or they're just going to get revalued through some kind of an audit or whatever these companies do sometimes, in which case the, the strike price you know, has changed. 
because it's not even fair for other employees. It's like someone drives, drives two years later and they get the same strike price you do. It's like, yeah. <laughs> how is that really fair? And it's, um, and also works, I think, to the disadvantage of the company. So, but I had to write a check because I was like, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get revalued at some point. I want to get, and you want to get the current value. I want to get the current. I don't want to pay a, t- I don't want to get a 1099 for the price difference. Because, you know, we've talked about how much this is growing. I mean, I don't have specific numbers, but we've told you how we barely able to write the code to keep the dispatches up, right? I mean, we've had, that's a constant fight. So it just shows you how. So could you afford to pay for all of the options that are vested? Yeah, yeah. Now, the only thing that really sucked is that um, they were, my options were supposed to be granted to me a year ago. But in the contract, they were proposed and they had to go to a board meeting to get option grants have to be approved. But for some reason, that just slipped on the radar and they were never approved. Because I went to Jesse, who's the CFO, and I said, hey, so what's the status with my uh, options? And he's like, you know, those haven't actually been approved, but I'll bring it to the board meeting and I'll get it done. Normally, that's not a problem, except Uber has what they call an early exercise option where you can go ahead and buy all the options, even the ones that aren't vested, so that you don't have to pay that additional cost of if they get revalued. Yeah. And you can get the, you know... The problem was, and of course, you don't have to pay the extra, you know, get the, the clock taking on long-term capital gains. But since mine were just um, granted, like in like November, <laughs> oh, oh, and you, but you can't do early exercise until six months after they're granted. I see. So, so even though they were actually the contract was signed over a year ago, and they were vesting from eighteen months ago, they weren't actually given to, granted to me officially until like November. So you can't do the early exercise thing on until, the remaining only in yeah. the first 18 months. So I'm going to get slam dunked on the taxes, which is just really good. Well, suck. unless and double hit, un- probably. Uh, but unless, uh, oh, right. No, but in like a few months, couldn't you do the six month thing? Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll bet you, I mean, I don't have any information on this, but I mean, there's, there's always a chance that the thing company's going to get, well, as long as it doesn't, if you could just go, if it could last a few more months, then you could be okay. Yeah, I wouldn't um, not hold my breath on that one. Okay. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, the good news is I have options in Uber. <laughs> so I guess I can't complain, right? I yeah. mean, you know, you don't get everything you want in life. You, right. But, you know. So I think, let me just see if there's any last emergency things I want to bring up. I think we've covered everything. Oh, the other thing I want to do when I get the Logitech Ultra Slim iPad keyboard. Have you seen those? Uh, yeah, I have. They're very, well, I've, I know what you're talking about. Very cool. I, I, um, a friend of mine, he's the father of one of Colby's teammates, and I saw him the other day, and we were we were at this coach's training. To, to coach these kids, you actually have to be certified, so it goes three-hour coaching thing last weekend, and he's sitting there, and it's cool. It's like it's like a cover on the iPad, but you just take it off the cover, and the thing just sits there, and it holds the thing up at an angle, which is great, and as a keyboard, it's like the size of, of uh, almost the size of like your air of like a mac air keyboard. yeah so it makes the it, it turns your ipad into a little computer yeah so you know i mean i wouldn't use it for anything other mostly than just doing emails but you know it'd be great at night to like oh i got three emails i don't want to go back to the office but i would just fire off a few responses really yeah. quickly yeah so that was pretty cool yeah no you're th- you think i'm getting one no i'm not but because i don't have a good ipad i would get the good ipad first well the new ones are coming out in march i think yeah which are supposed to be thinner and yeah that'd be good Better battery and all. I don't know, whatever. It's going to be better. So don't buy one now. Um, let me see if there's anything. Oh, you know, one last thing I want to brought up, bring up. I can bring this last one up and then I get to go. Um, so do you remember when I mentioned a few shows back about how there was a Newsweek article talking about how 
people are less likely to achieve their goals when they go out and state them as opposed to just changing their life and getting in the process. So as a, for exa- example, it's like, should I just get myself not worried about w- losing weight, but just start going to the gym every day, mm-hmm. you know, or just getting a trainer. Um, and you know, the guy, and I talked about it in the show and I got, a, I got a pretty nasty email from a guy telling me I was basically full of shit and blah, blah, blah. I made it a personal attack and all right. it was, it was, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. But I was like, did you not argue with me? I'm just citing, I'm not saying this is true. I'm saying this is what they said in Newsweek. Right. You know, I don't know. I said that was very interesting. Um, and I think there is some truth to it, but then, uh, then I, then there, I just saw a study, um, that it was in, it was done at Dominican university or something. It was someone study, study backs up strategies for achieving goals, which basically said that people who, they broke the people in different groups, people who didn't, didn't make goals, people who made goals, people who made goals and wrote them down, people made goals and wrote them down and told other people. And then people who wrote them down, told other people. And maybe even checked in on their goals or made them public or something like that. Yeah. And the people who did those la- that latter group were thirty three percent more likely to achieve their goals. So the people who made their goals wrote them down and told other people. Something like that. Yeah. They're more likely to achieve. But then, if you remember, Derek Sivers had this TED talk talking about how you're less likely to achieve your goals if you tell people about them. Like to keep your goals yourself. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And so I went on, a, I was reading, and it says, so I, I put that up on the, I put some links up to this in the comments. I said, all right, because I was like, because when that guy was making his accusations, I said, look, I said, okay, you know, I'm not saying it, but if you got some counter evidence, feel free to post it up. Because yeah. I just want to know the answer, right? Yeah. I just think stuff's interesting. And uh, so I posted a comment, I said, I'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some evidence that I've come across. You so, found some counter evidence. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and this one basically seemed to be saying, so there was an article that kind of broke down what Derek Sivers was talking about, some other people were talking about, and they talked about the actual study that they were that Derek and this other guy were referring to. And essentially, the the it was a very limited study with some law students who had read some who had checked off a box saying, "Yes, I will take advantage of additional uh, learning opportunities in law." And that was it. And then they had to solve some case law problem, and the people who didn't agree to that or weren't shown that on average spent 45 minutes for the people who did agree to that spent 30 minutes, three minutes trying to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So people gave up sooner and they talk about like things that are self-identifying goals versus in their goals that are your own goals versus other group imposing goals on you, things like that. Yeah. I think that just, I don't, it, but there, there was no real scientific evidence about this. This is just what, and he, cause he was just citing people who were in the field of, I don't know if they're productivity people or psychologists or psychiatrists or who they were, but they're basically saying this is just consensus professionals based on non-confirming scientific peer-reviewed studies saying basically it depends. (laughs) And it depends on who you tell, are you being held accountable, are they actionable goals? So if if they're actionable goals that you can achieve, it's like, oh, I want a better life. I want to make more money. That's not, no, that's, that's not an actionable goal. If it's something that's short term, that's actionable, that you have like a, um, you can measure and that you're, and you have people, whether it's a podcast or a blog or a mastermind group or even a handful of friends who are saying, okay, are you making any progress? Well, it comes down to my favorite saying that you hate so much, the truth lies in the middle. <laughs> you can just say that about everything. <laughs> the problem is that's generally 
a true sounding statement and it's probably true or it is not true, but it just allows you to throw up your hands and not think through the specifics of any particular problem. Right. Right. Because not in some cases it is in the middle. In some cases it's absolutely one other thing. You know, one person says two plus two weeks four. Well, that's what I'm not. saying. It even not lie in the middle. even about whether the truth lies in the middle or not, Ugh, the truth lies in the middle. It's meta. All right. Okay. Anyway, that's been an awesome show. Um, we are texting. And that's a wrap. We're out.